Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 338. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Trauma Therapist Network. Trauma Therapist Network is a platform for finding a trauma therapist, learning about trauma, and understanding about how trauma shows up in our lives and what the healing process can look like. Go to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com to learn more. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Last week, you heard my interview with Dr. Amy Epigian, who talks about trauma and its effects on mental and physical health. And the week before that, there was a replay episode of my interview with Dr. Gabor Mate, who also speaks about trauma in the body. This week, I'm bringing you a replay of my conversation from 2020 with Dr. Jody Skillicorn, who is a holistic psychiatrist. She's the author of the book, Healing Depression Without Medication, A Psychiatrist's Guide to Balancing Mind, Body, and Soul. And she speaks about how trauma plays a role in many psychiatric symptoms and how she works with her patients using medications as a last resort. Dr. Jody Skillicorn is an osteopathic physician, board certified in psychiatry, and she's a diplomate of the American Board of Integrative and Holistic Medicine. She integrates conventional medical training with evidence-based holistic methods, including breathwork, meditation, yoga, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, EMDR, emotional freedom technique, aka tapping, mind-body medicine, nutrition, exercise, nature, and auricular acupuncture at her private practice in Stowe, Idaho. So I hope you will learn a little bit more about holistic psychiatry and 
I'm sure that this will get you interested in checking out her wonderful book, Healing Depression Without Medication. In our conversation, she shared the most common supplements she recommends for people to take for good mental health and a sense of well-being. And I also wanted to let you know before we get into the conversation with Jody that the waiting list is now available for Trauma Therapist Network membership. This is for trauma therapists who would like support. We meet weekly, four times a month for self-care, case consultation, Q&A, and training. And we are together co-creating a beautiful community where we talk about taking care of ourselves as therapists. And basically, we spend a lot of time talking about keeping ourselves grounded when things in our personal life or out in the world are deeply affecting us. So in this time that we're living through, this is a much needed resource. And if you're a trauma therapist who could use that kind of support, please join us. You can go to traumatherapistnetwork.com and click on get listed as a therapist. And there you will find all the information about Trauma Therapist Network membership and you can get on the waiting list. People on the waiting list will get first access to sign up and everybody else will be able to sign up at the end of July. So get on that waiting list if you want to have access to signing up next week and you'll get emails from me with all the instructions. So let's dive right into my conversation with Dr. Jody Skillicorn. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Therapy Chat. We couldn't do it without you, and we do it for you. <laughs> if you weren't listening, I wouldn't be bothering to put this together. So it's literally because of all of you that Therapy Chat exists. So thank you. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I am very excited to be speaking with an integrative psychiatrist. My guest today is Dr. Jody Skillicorn. Jody, thanks so much for being my guest today on Therapy Chat. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I cannot wait to talk with you because you are passionate about a subject that is extremely important to me as well which is finding integrative ways to help people with healing. And your book is Healing Depression Without Medications, A Psychiatrist's Guide to Balancing Mind, Body, and Soul. So I can't wait to talk to you about that, but let's just start off by, if you would, you telling our audience a little bit about yourself and your work. Sure. So like you said, I'm a holistic psychiatrist. And for me, that means seeking the roots of what's going on rather than just covering up the symptoms with medications, but really to, to really figure out what's going on. And so often what's going on is not what's wrong, but what's happened. So often there's a story of some childhood trauma or some recent trauma or something that's behind the symptoms. They very rarely just appear out of the blue, although that's sort of the story psychiatry tells. And so it's really to look for what those roots might be. And it's not always trauma. Sometimes it is, there can be nutritional deficiencies. There can be you know, something else physically going wrong. It can be an out-of-balanced diet, an out-of-balanced lifestyle. So there's lots of reasons and lots of roots, but really to try to figure out what that is and work from there. And so I use a lot of modalities, including 
breathing and mindfulness, exercise, nutrition, sleep hygiene, nature therapy. And then along with that, as I find there's almost always some trauma lurking there somewhere, I use EFT and EMDR, uh, hypnotherapy um, to kind of work through those wounds, which again, we can't just cover those up with medications. It doesn't resolve the issue. Wow. So you actually practice clinically with clients using EMDR and nature therapy. You do therapy with your patients as well as the medical aspects. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I started off in training just like everyone else. And I, you know, when I was in residency, it was great. I got to see everyone for an hour and I felt like I was helpful and doing therapy. And then when I got out, that re- got reduced to a half hour. And then over time, they wanted to push it back to the standard 15, 20 minutes. And I just, I don't think you can help anyone heal by just handing out a script and just, you know, asking what their symptoms are in a 10 minute medication check. I agree. And, you know, I, I'm totally not opposed to medication just in general, but I don't like the way it's often just, oh, you're anxious. Well, take this medication. You won't be anxious anymore. It's like, well, what's causing the anxiety? Yes, absolutely. There's no yeah. like exploration of why. Yeah. I mean, even right now during this pandemic, I, I read, I think anxiety medications are up 30, 30 some percent, 36 or something percent, which is, and again, there's a reason, like it's normal anxiety. And so the question is, how are you going to manage that anxiety? Because anxiety is unavoidable. It's part of life. And, and so to learn those skills so you can manage it now, because this isn't going to end anytime soon and in the future is so much more beneficial than just numbing it up. You know, I, I feel like there's sort of, maybe this is just my perception, but I feel like there's been like a paradigm in mental health treatment that if someone has severe mental health concerns, whether it's severe depression or symptoms of bipolar or they're feeling suicidal or they're overwhelmed by anxiety or not really. I mean, in my practice, we don't really work so much with psychoses, but in the that example too, when people are having psychotic symptoms, like there's this idea that at least this is what I originally thought that the medications are needed to treat the problem. But, you know, as I've worked with people who've experienced trauma for now uh, 17 years, it's like, I see that the medication doesn't do anything to change the underlying problem and only just, you know, numbs or alters in some way the symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you look at adverse childhood events, right? So those things like obviously physical, sexual, emotional abuse, emotional neglect, you know, losing a parent either to death or to prison or to divorce, right? These kind of things. What you find is that those who have four or more of these, 97% of them are on psychiatric medications. And yet that's the population that's least likely to benefit from these medications. Because like you're saying, you can't treat a soul wound with, you know, a medication, a physiological shift, right? That's not what's going on. And so I think we've got this whole story wrong. And in fact, the whole story, the neurochemical imbalance theory has, despite 50 years of research, there's actually no data to prove this theory and tons of data to disprove it. And in fact, what they found is that basically a quarter of the population, either with a history of 
mental illness or without have low serotonin and a quarter of the population with a history of mental illness and without have high serotonin. And the rest of us are somewhere in the middle, suggesting that there absolutely is no normal. And so that's really not what's going on. And what the more and more the research is suggesting that in fact, it is these early childhood events. It is chronic stress from you know how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis and the subsequent inflammation that's resulting in these things. And medications, these medications aren't treating any of that. So interesting. It's like there's two or maybe more, but it seems like there are two schools of thought where one is like, we're going to find the gene or brain yeah. that explains why people suffer and Yeah. Other school of thought is like suffering is normal and we respond to our environment and our experiences. And, you know, it's not it's not pathological to be upset when, you know, you're living through a pandemic or you lost someone you love or, you know, I know that trauma symptoms can be can really interfere significantly with functioning. So I'm not saying that everyone should just get over it. I don't mean that, but just that it makes sense that you would feel that way. It doesn't mean that you have something wrong with your brain or chemical imbalance. Right, right. And that message, that message is empowering because it means there's something you can do about it versus the message that in my field so often gets told to people is that, you know, basically your brain is broken and if it's broken, it's broken forever and you're going to need to take these medications forever. And yet again, there's the research completely refutes that our brain changes with every thought and with every action it's constantly reshifting and our brains appear static to us so often because we keep sending the same messages we keep doing the same behaviors and so it just keeps it's like a rut in a record player keeps playing the same song over and over and so it appears very static but as you start to shift those things you start to shift the wiring, you start to shift the nervous system, you start to shift how you feel and um, respond to the world. So do you think that um, what you're talking about is a commonly known? Do you think there are a lot of psychiatrists who agree with what you're saying and, and this is how they were trained as well? No, I don't think anyone's trained this way. (laughs) I think there's a growing number of us that have started to dig into the research. So unfortunately, just in medicine in general, there's about a 17-year lag between what we learn in school and and the research. So we're always about 17 years behind. That explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't it? Right? So we're always, so, you know, you kind of get out and you get trained in this and you assume that's real. And then so many of us get stuck. And then I think of it like, are you familiar with the Daniel Simon um, intention experiment or selective attention experiment? Uh, yeah, it's super cool. And um, you and, and any listeners, right, you can find it on YouTube if you just Google the gorilla experiment. And so what you find is it, basically in this video, you're asked to count. So there's a group of people, one group's wearing white t-shirts, and I think the other group's wearing black t-shirts. And you're asked to count the number of times the people with the white t-shirts pass a ball amongst themselves. Um, So 50% of people, including myself, are so busy counting the ball that what we totally miss is that in the middle of that scene, a person dressed in a gorilla costume walks across the scene. And I totally missed it. I did not see the stinking gorilla. Like when afterwards I was like, how do you miss a gorilla? But I was so busy counting these white balls being passed between these people in white t-shirts that I missed the big black gorilla that walked through the middle of the scene, um, as did 50%. And then the other 50% who saw the gorilla, they didn't count the balls. So the point is, I think we're 
our brains are also wired where we, we see what we expect to see. So if we're expecting to see a neurochemical imbalance, if we're expecting to see pathology, which is really what we're, as physicians, we're taught to see, then that's all we see. And we fail to consider other possibilities and fail to consider that, you know, maybe not everything we were taught is true. That's tricky, but it explains a lot in how, you know, I have nothing against psychiatrists, but there have been many psychiatrists who I've heard from my clients didn't seem to know that trauma was as prevalent as it is. Yeah. And didn't seem to screen for trauma. And, you know, we pretty much stubbornly stick to like diagnoses like bipolar, ADHD to right, right. trauma symptoms when the person has a known trauma history. Right. Right. And again, right, we're sort of as physicians trained to ask the questions like, have you ever been abused? But we don't ask specifically. And even then we kind of discard it. It's just a check on the box, but it's not, you, it doesn't, you know, it's not considered as an explanation for why so many things in their life may be out of balance and all these symptoms. And yet, right, it's clear that that, that is how trauma comes out and is expressed in so many different ways. It's expressed physically in the forms of pain and forms of things like fibromyalgia and and really any chronic disease. All chronic diseases are increased risk if you have a history of trauma. And likewise, the relationship between mental illness is huge. So if you have someone, for example, who ha- doesn't have any history of trauma, although frankly, I haven't met that person, at least in practice, um, or really in my life, but But let's presume, um, at least on the questions they ask in studies. So that person has about a 15% chance of depression. But now add in one childhood trauma and you're up to 25%. Add in two, you're up to 40%. And by the time you're at four, there's an over 400% risk of depression and an over 1000% risk of suicidality. And if you look at other things like alcoholism, there's an 800% increased risk and drug addiction, 500%. So we're really looking at, and I don't know what ADHD, but I'm sure it'd be like 2000%. I mean, because it's, it's, it's so related. Absolutely. Because I mean, you see with both trauma and ADHD, people have trouble with focus. They have trouble with memory. They can't sit still. They're preoccupied, you know, and those are the same ways that many people feel when they experience trauma, especially childhood trauma. Absolutely. Because your brain gets wired to always be on the lookout and to be, you know, the world doesn't appear to be safe. And so that the that threat detector within the limbic system is always on high alert. And so it explains all the symptoms. Um, and so the work, I think, is really then to teach the nervous system to to be able to become more balanced and to calm itself down. And to step out of the story that you're broken and something's wrong with you, which only adds to the stress of the symptoms. Absolutely. I mean, I think we can be shut down in shame over the idea. And I think one of the things that prevents many people from seeking therapy or psychiatry is that not wanting to be broken, not wanting to see themselves that way. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, no, I've, yeah, I've been through all that stuff, but I mean, I'm fine, but really, I don't feel fine, but I think that's just because something's wrong with me because I should be over that. You know, I, yeah. I hear that struggle with people so often. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I think what so often happens is just the opposite is, is our, the system re-traumatizes people, right? So, so often trauma is, is sort of 
we're taught to sort of bury it under the rug. Children are, right, they're not supposed to talk about it or say there's an alcoholic parent or whatever. It's all buried under the rug. And then you go and you, you know, you have all these symptoms and and then it's buried under the rug again. Well, here's your pill. This should solve the problem. I would argue that is traumatizing. Or if nothing else, it's it, it leads to despair and, and hopelessness, which is at the heart of really all mental illness. I agree. I mean, I think that whether it's conscious or unconscious, it can be re-traumatizing for people when they're asking for help from someone who is in a position of power and they're told, no, you don't have a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or you have this pathology and something's wrong with you and it has nothing to do with any of your experiences. It's yeah. just, it's just a broken brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's all on you. Yeah. yeah. It's your fault, right? Just like exactly. the, the child already grows up thinking when there's trauma so often. Let's just pause for a moment so I can give you a little bit more information about why I love therapy notes. I switched to therapy notes a few years ago. I'd say it's about three years now, I believe. And I have never regretted it. I was very happy with the EHR I used before, but therapy notes is more intuitive. I love the interface. The customer service is fantastic. And I love how I can get my notes done quickly because I can customize the template that I use for my notes and there are opportunities to put check marks rather than having to write out the intervention used. So I have cut my time spent writing notes way down, which is wonderful because I like to focus on seeing clients. I know documentation is an important part of our work, but it can also be time consuming. And that is why I love using therapy notes. If you are considering switching EHRs or you're looking for one to use in your practice, give Therapy Notes a try. Get two free months of Therapy Notes, including their beta version of their new integrated telehealth option. You can get two free months by using the code TherapyChat. So I'm wondering if you think that or how you feel about this. I see a lot of people who I know have trauma because, you know, they come to me for trauma therapy. And when I ask them about their trauma history, much childhood trauma, and usually it's not just like this happened one time. It's something that was repeatedly happening throughout their whole childhood. Right. So that's complex or chronic PTSD, you know, presentation. Absolutely. Um, but then when they go for let's say they go to their primary care doctor and they get some kind of antidepressant or something to help them sleep. And then the doctor's saying, you know, I don't really know if I'm the best person to do this for you. I want you to find a psychiatrist. So they find a psychiatrist and then they get a diagnosis of either bipolar or ADHD, but not PTSD. Mm -hmm. Then they are prescribed medication for that. And sometimes it's like antipsychotics. Yeah. Lithium. I'm wondering your opinion of what how that affects people above the like minimization of what they've gone through and pathologizing of how they feel. What do you think about those medications being prescribed or like Ritalin, Adderall, if it's for yeah. PTSD or for ADHD symptoms? Yeah. Well, one, so again, like I said before, right, so 97% of the people put on these meds, well, not 97% of the people put on, but a huge percentage of the people that are starting these meds have this trauma, and those are the least likely that they're going to be helpful for. So already, so we know it's not very effective. 
But then what on top of that, right, the side effects, for example, of antidepressants often increases anxiety, especially I find with people with lots of trauma, because it can be very activating. Then it majority of people experience weight gain, which then increases, doubles their risk of diabetes and doesn't exactly improve one's self-esteem and, you know, and feeling better. Um, and then... a big issue for trauma survivors. Oh, absolutely. And then you get this emotional numbing, but the problem with emotional numbing is, yeah, maybe you don't feel as sad or you don't feel the despair, but you've also disconnected from those things that need to be worked through. And worse, you can't feel joy either. You can't just numb sadness and not numb joy. And life without joy is depressing. And perhaps the worst outcome is it's really clear from the data, 20 years of data, that actually those who remain on these medications do worse in the long run than those that don't. And I think it's because of all, again, you're not really reaching the roots. It's just kind of covering it up and you're creating physical problems that you know, weren't even there before. Not to mention that actually, especially for children, right, the risk of suicidality is actually doubled. And even in adults, there's a growing number of studies suggesting that that happens as well. So given all these possible side effects, it becomes really hard, you know, to really validate continuing to stay on medications for sure. I think there are places and times where for short-term use, it can be valid. And I certainly have a lot of patients that are on them and have been on them. I didn't put them on them, but they're, they're afraid to come off of them. And, you know, I, I try to encourage them and most of them have come down, but they're scared. And, and, and I, you know, I honor that, but the data is really clear. And for antipsychotics, it's even worse. I mean, the risk of diabetes is huge. The risk of weight gain is huge. It, people describe, you know, just feeling numbed out and not even forget emotional numbing, but they can't even think clearly you lose motivation. And so now how are you going to change anything if you're not even motivated to get out of bed or take a shower, um, which is what a lot of people experience on these meds. And a lot of people just describe it as feeling like it's just not me anymore. You know, just there's sort of this alien living inside the same body. Oh my gosh. That is so disturbing. And I've seen that with, I've seen children who went to residential treatment centers and come out and they have, you know, they're just kind of like, they're there, but not there. Yeah. It's so sad with kids. Express opinions or thoughts. They're not curious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very disturbing. And I can't help but wonder what that does to a developing brain. Yeah. Again, it can't, you know, the the data again is really clear that, you know, they're far more likely for it to become chronic. What I was amazed to find when I was doing this research is, right, if you just go back 50 years before these medications and you look at the data from the National Institute of Mental Health, right, depression was seen as something that would pass, that nothing could, right, that just chronic depression was rare, acute depression was the norm and it was, you know, and usually because of something that had happened and the norm was for that just to pass. But now the norm, that's the exception for it to be acute, right? Now it's almost always chronic. And that shifted when we started turning to these meds to solve the problem. Yeah. When Prozac became. Yep. Good old Prozac. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience, and one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, 
Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. So, you talked about some of the ways that you work with people. Can you maybe speak a little bit more about what things you help people with to calm their nervous systems and help them heal mind, body, and soul without medications? Yeah. So one, I always start by with education and normalization, right? So this makes sense given this happened, right? So really to shift into a more hopeful place of there's not, you're not broken. This just, this, you know, your body was trying to protect you in some ways. And some of these, what's wrong may have served you when you were small, but they're not serving you anymore. So those pieces. And then usually where I always start is actually with the breath. So breathing is so important because it's the one way we can communicate directly with that limbic system. So that fight, flight, freeze system. And so most people, well, actually most of us, whether we've had trauma or not, tend in our society tend to breathe into the chest. And when we breathe in short, shallow breaths into the chest, it sends this constant signal to the brain, to the limbic system that basically there's sort of this yellow alert or orange alert. Even if we're just sitting, you know, at home on a couch watching TV, our brain and our nervous system are getting this message that something's wrong. It can't quite figure out what, but something is wrong. But when we start to breathe into the belly, right, we activate the vagal nerve and the vagal nerve winds up to the limbic system and basically turns off that, that hypervigilance, that fight, flight, freeze response and turns on the rest, relaxation and digestion, parasympathetic response. And it's only in that space where we can kind of come back online and think clearly and, and, and kind of assess situations clearly and allow our body to rest and heal. So breath is so important. I mean, everyone with anxiety, right? That's, that's the place to start because we can shift the breath as a way to directly communicate with that part of the nervous system. We can't talk to it. It's pre-verbal, but the breath gives us direct access to let that part of the brain know, okay, right here, right now, we're okay. There may be things coming up in the future, but right here, right now, we're okay. So that's one piece. And and along with that, sort of a breathing meditation, right? So becoming more mindful of the here and now and the body and the present. And, and the research has shown that, you know, even just focusing on your breath mindfully for 20 minutes a day changes the structure and the function of the brain in as little as six to eight weeks. So you, you turn down that hypervigilance that, you know, those with ACEs that have and you start to balance those systems and gives you some control over that system. So that's a huge one. And then another one is just moving, right? Our bodies are meant to move to in whatever way suits us, whether it's walking or running or playing or dancing or whatever. But research has shown that just exercising for as little as one hour a week, which is comes down to nine minutes a day, can decrease the risk of future depressive episodes by 44%. 
So that's another one. And then food, food is so huge. Again, the risk of depression is increased by 50% by eating the standard American diet of basically fast fatty foods and processed foods. And research has shown now that both for adolescents and adults, just making small shifts to more whole um, foods um, can really protect our body against depression and anxiety because there's this whole other system, right? The microbiome and all the bacteria in our gut and these, these, the balance of these bacteria, which outnumber us, but they send a constant message with every bite of food up to the brain to kind of let the state, the brain know the state of our situation. So when it's fatty processed foods, it's kind of sending this message of, of again, sort of our yellow or orange alert of like, something's not quite right. Something's not quite right. Cause we're really not designed to eat those foods. Yeah, so um, the foods, the brain response, to the foods or the microbiome responds as if it's a threat. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And some of us are much more sensitive to that than others, but the, the effect is very real. Um, and so making small shifts, even small shifts and adding some more veggies and some more fruits into our diet and eliminating, you know, some of the sugary snacks and stuff can really make a significant shift in, in, in mood and well-being and health overall. Um, and then just getting outside again in our society. So many people, you know, are trapped in, not trapped, they choose to be inside. We just don't go outside as often anymore. But again, just being outside in nature calms our nervous system. It activates that parasympathetic system as well. And it doesn't take much and as little as 15 minutes outside can improve mood, decrease stress, boost our immune system for up to a month. So it's simple stuff, right? It's nothing novel. It's nothing we can't do or change. It's um, it's really kind of getting back to the basics in so many ways. So in your book, do you spell these out for people? Yeah. So I go, like there's a chapter on each one of those things along with sleep and connecting with others and other aspects as well. Yeah. And then like you, you know, when it comes to trauma, as far as healing that, so all those things are helping balance the nervous system, but then to actively work with the trauma, I too use, you know, EMDR and EFT and some hypnotherapy as well. And a lot of just mindfulness-based therapy really noticing what's happening in the body in this moment and just learning to be more present um, and not see our bodies as threats, but as right this as information that we can listen to and learn from. I don't know what you would think of this, but someone I was just talking with yesterday, another therapist was actually asked me what I thought about different supplements that can help people who have trauma. And I said, I don't know of anything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, he was like, do you talk about that with your clients? And I said, no, because I, I wouldn't know what, what could be helpful. And, you know, so that would be out of my scope. But just curious, sir, do you recommend supplements for people as part of what you do with your holistic work? Yeah, I do. And so one of the, the easiest ones, even for you to incorporate, right? Because none of these, all of these you can incorporate. None of them are, you don't need a prescription for any of these. But the, the one with probably the most research is omega-3s. Right. So that's hugely associated. So our brain is 60% fat, right? And we have, we need these fatty acids to um, recover every nerve and the synapses. And, and so for our brain to function well, it needs the omega-3s. And yet most of us are deficient in them. 
especially those of us here in the Midwest in Ohio, you might have, you're closer to the ocean. So you might have, it may not be as low in your area, but, but it's been shown there's definite links, especially postpartum depression. Before I ever see anyone, I tell them to start omega-3s because there's huge links with um, low omega-3 and depression. Um, And there's also huge risk with increased risk of suicide and especially violent suicide and aggression when there's low levels. They've done studies on prison prisoners and found that like the if by giving them omega threes they actually decreased the violence in the in the in the jails. Wow. So adding two grams, uh, so which could be a few, depending on you know the easiest way to get it is actually the oil, and you can just put it in a salad or something. But you know salmon, sardines, flax seeds, hemp seeds are all ways to get it as well. That one's a huge one and easy and safe. And um, another fish oil. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Is that like fish oil? Yeah. So you could do the fish oil or for vegetarians, they could do a flaxseed oil, which doesn't work quite as well, but it, but it's still effective, but yeah, that's the easiest way to get it. Um, Otherwise you have to really eat buckets of walnuts or lots of salmon or yeah. I eat a lot of salmon. Yeah. So (laughs) you probably have, I mean, I eat it like twice a week at least. I love salmon. Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably getting a fairly healthy amount. Um, and I know I, I do a smoothie every morning and I dump in hemp seeds and flax seeds and chia seeds. Those are all high in omega threes. That's how I get it. But another one, a couple others that are really good for, um, depression and anxiety. Magnesium is one. So magnesium is something where almost all Americans are deficient in just because it's no longer our soils have become so depleted from, from, you know, mass farming that it's really hard to get the level of magnesium that we used to get in the past. But there's data going back over 100 years associating low magnesium levels with depression. Um, And so that's a good one that actually has been shown to work fairly quickly. However, once you stop taking the symptoms offering term, but I also, but I think that's probably because there really isn't deficiency. And once you stop taking, you go back to being deficient again. And one of the easiest ways to actually get magnesium is lotion because it gets absorbed into our skin in higher levels than when, than even through food. But there's lotions on the market that have those. And then, yeah, that's another way too. Sure. Okay. Sorry interrupting. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. And another one of my favorites is turmeric and curcumin. So curcumin is the active ingredient in the spice turmeric. But it's been shown, it's a really powerful anti-inflammatory. And again, a lot of the research, like I said, is suggesting that depression really is an inflammatory response, just like so many other chronic diseases. And turmeric also has neuroprotective properties. So it protects the brains and even increases neurotransmitters. And there was actually one study that actually compared turmeric to fluoxetine and found them just as effective without the side effects. Prozac. Prozac. Yeah, yeah. So that's really anyone who's depressed. Those are three that I always start. And then the one other I often add in, especially if there's more anxiety going on, is L-theanine. And L-theanine is the amino acid in green tea. Small trials have found that actually it works as well as a Prazolam or a Xanax. I don't think anyone who's on Xanax would agree with that because it's so fast. I mean, it's an addictive drug. Yeah. But for people that haven't, it can. it's incredibly calming. And even for those who have been on it, it's calming. It's just not, they have to get used to not being a sudden kick in like, like any other street drug. But anyway, that you could, you could get from drinking lots of green tea, but that's a lot of caffeine and you probably have to go to the bathroom a lot, but you can also take it in capsule form. 
but that's been shown to decrease anxiety and depression as well. That's great to know. One I'm, I've heard a lot about, and I'm wondering what you have to say is GABA. So GABA is, there's less research on GABA, okay. but I think it's it, it appears to be safe. And I do recommend that for people who, um, again, for anxiety, and some people don't notice anything and other people really do find benefit from it. So I, again, I imagine, you know, it's whether you need it or don't need it, um, if that's the issue or not the issue. But I think it's a safe one to try for sure. Okay, that's good to know because I, I tried that one and I really didn't find it. I didn't notice any difference. But I Yeah, and a lot of people don't, but the it. people that do really swear by it. Yeah. So, yeah. And one other one, especially here in Ohio, is vitamin D in the winter, I think is critical for mood. And I think, I don't know how much research is out there, but I suspect that a lot of the link between seasonal affective disorder may be related to low levels of vitamin D, which are inevitable if you live in places like Ohio. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard that vitamin D is um, deficiency is so common. Yeah. It's pretty much a given if you live around this latitude. So, yeah. Wow. You are full of so much fascinating information and I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to come on to Therapy Chat today. Well, thanks for having me. I, I'm wondering as we finish up, like, can people work with you? Are you only available in Ohio or do you, are you able to work with people in other places? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I don't know the answer to that question right now because so up until the pandemic, the answer would have been, no, it has to be someone in Ohio. And yeah. since the pandemic, the rules have been shifting as far as teletherapy. And so now there's a little leeway. And so, um, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that anymore. Yeah, it really may uh, depend on what state the person is in. Yeah, yeah. And I think, so I think in the immediate right now, I actually can, but I don't know how that's going to play out legally in the future. <laughs> so yeah. I wish I had a better answer. I wish it wasn't so confusing. It doesn't really make much sense. I think it has to do with, you know, it always comes back to money. Yes, and yes. yes. That's right. Everybody wants that money for licensing and all that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's an example of how therapists and physicians are limited in being able to practice across state lines, but non-licensed practitioners can practice anywhere and coaches. So <laughs> right, it's like, right. it's crazy. Catch up and everyone can be able to serve anyone who. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm hopeful that's one positive outcome of the pandemic. We'll see to be, I hope to so be too. seen. Yeah. Well, do you have a website where people can find what you're doing? Or if not, where can they find your book? Yeah, so the book can be found anywhere, really, right now. And um, and my website is jodyskillicorn.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Both I have a site, Mindful Psychiatry, which is sort of the original site. And now there's also Dr. Jody Skillicorn. So those are the best places to... I'll link to both of those and the okay. website in the show notes so that everyone can find it if they're driving when they're listening to this and they're like, wait, what was that last name? Um, <laughs> it'll be in the show notes. Jody, thank you again so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. This was an awesome conversation. And again, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Enjoy talking to you too.
Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.